we are going to sing a song called Paint the Sky with Colors. And um, this is a song that came to me when I was <clears throat> I was in deep meditation. I was sitting on a recliner and and um, uh, overlooking the water, the lake down here in in Japala. And um, <clears throat> and in this deep meditation, I I began to see um, these amazing colors, not of this world. They were like like colors with light in it. I and when I opened my eyes, I could still see it. Like with I could see the lake, but I could also see with my my true vision all these amazing, amazing colors. And uh, I tried to explain to David in words what I had experienced, but it wasn't really working. And then I felt there is a song coming. So this is the song that came to me after that meditation. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat>
so much wow i don't know how to transition from that into the movie we're about to watch <laughs> except that this might bring up the colors of your emotions <laughs> we're going to watch a movie called um called lucy actually we may have even shown this on a retreat before i forget but yeah, just sitting here listening to that song and feeling like the reason that we're showing it is like Svava got that experience when in 2016 where she started studying the course and just kind of got down on her knees and said, I'll do whatever you would have me do, Jesus. And she went through these series of encounters, first where she... You know, the wax went down over her picture and took her out of the picture with her boys. And it's like, whoa, you know, the medicines, all of the things that over, for most of us, we'd call it pretty quick over a couple of years, just diving in. Well, this movie is, we're going to see it in 24 hours. Lucy basically... Is kind of a party girl. She's compromising being with this guy that is there. I forget his name. And kind of even being with him is a bit of a compromise. And he's got himself into a bad situation where he now has to pay off 
this debt by being a drug runner. And for some reason, he can't be the one to do it in his mind. So he handcuffs her. And basically what this is, is when you get handcuffed like this by life, it's actually an answer to a deep prayer of I want to wake up. And whether it be like what they've called the cosmic two by four, even though the spirit doesn't send the cosmic two by four, or a series of guidances that's coming in from the spirit, when it gets like, whoa, you know, you can really embrace this and ride it out very quickly, ride it out home. So I thought what I'd like to do with this before we start the movie is, is ask you a question. Um, have you ever made the prayer? I want to wake up, bring it on, whatever it takes. Have you ever said that? Maybe I could see the gallery view and just get a sense how many hands are up there. Okay, has anybody not made that prayer? <laughs> see if you're praying. Okay, we got a couple of hands. <laughs> okay, well, I'd like to make that prayer right now and just take a minute meditation and actually ask, see if you can get in touch with that when you say, can you authentically say, bring it on? Like, okay, spirit, I want to wake up, bring it on. Let's just sit with that for a minute and see if you can authentically say that. Okay, maybe I could um, see the gallery view again. So did, did everybody feel like it was authentic when they said it? Maybe I better say it the other way. Put up your hand if you felt you couldn't make the prayer. Wow, okay, everyone can make the prayer, almost. Oh, we got a few people with hands. Okay, okay, now the next thing is, you probably heard something in your mind like, I'm scared what you're going to ask me to do if, <laughs> if I make this prayer, bring it on. Okay, we got some hands there. Okay, now I want to ask the next question and see if you can hear the answer. Okay, Holy Spirit, can you tell me, first, only, this will only work if you could authentically get into that space of feeling like you made the bring it on prayer. Tell me what it is you want me to do, and then see what that feels like, and then if you can even hear an answer. So, okay, here we go. So, okay, Holy Spirit, I, I, want, I want you to bring it on because I don't want to be complacent. I don't want to be comfortable anymore. Only you know the pace that I can do that bring it on would even work. Because even if I say these words, you know, if something was to come at me too quickly, I would shut down because this is a deep journey. So I'm going to trust you that whatever you send to me or tell me right now 
is going to be the thing that's going to bring it on that I can handle because a fast journey is also a steady, a steady journey. So please tell me now what it is you feel that I can do as my next step. Okay. Did anybody hear an answer? <laughs> we probably need a whole retreat if we if a lot of hands go. <laughs> okay. Did anybody not hear an answer? Okay. Well, that's great. So <laughs> so what this is right now is I'm I'm trying to get us in the mindset of what is basically happening to Lucy. If you felt any fear with the first prayer, bring it on. Then what's about to happen to Lucy might seem like, oh my God, this is crazy. There might be scenes in this movie where you're like, I would never do that. I don't understand it. And that's because the mind isn't trained enough to see this in terms of symbols. So we're going to watch this movie in a way, if you, if you didn't have full strength to say, bring it on, and get an answer. We're going to watch this movie to clear that away. And what I mean by that is there's going to be symbolism in here because Lucy did make the prayer to bring it on. She maybe didn't voice it consciously, but she wanted out of this world. And she got her specific steps right in the way. And, and when you make that prayer, all of a sudden, all the things that you normally see in the world that you think are like real people, real situations, real problems, they just become opportunities to say yes or no. Are they in my way of following my function or are they supporting my function? Are they in the way supporting my function or supporting my function? Until that even dissolves in the end where nothing can really get in your way. But we're not going to admit you know, or say that we're there yet. We've got 24 hours of awakening to do here. So, so there's a scene like she's got these blue drugs in her and... They're, they're the symbol of the Holy Spirit, like ripping through her mind. And she has to basically use this power that is growing from 10% to 100% use of her brain, which is symbolic of being a little human in a little form to, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expand my consciousness here and do things and download programs and, you know, get into karate moves or say things or move things telepathically, higher levels of communication that I never could do before. As part of getting into that. And when that's your top priority, nothing can stand in the way. So she comes out of the facility. Do you speak English? She hasn't got the program yet for Chinese. So do you speak English? No. And the guy gets cocky with her and she shoots him. Gets out of the way. Points to the next guy. Do you shoot English? Very light, very, very smartly. He responds, yes, I do. We don't actually know if he does or not, but he knows the right answer. And it's like her mind activating the English out of him that she needs to perform her function. So the gun and the bullets and all the violence is just basically saying symbols that are not going to support me right now, get out of the way. So if you see anything else, it's just because there's a fear of waking up. So I want to set that, that up in advance. So yeah, David, do you have any thoughts? <laughs> or I, I guess I was going to, 
maybe you have some thoughts before I move it over to Svava. I just love what you shared and I think too that uh, whether the journey seems to take what seems to be lifetimes or it seems to take a lifetime or it seems to take uh, a period of days or weeks or months or it takes 24 hours, you know, in the end I think the prayer the deepest prayer of the heart is, is I want to forgive and I want to wake up. And uh, so people who work with us understand that uh, we have many mechanisms, many tools online, we do many online retreats, books, videos, speakers, audios, but there's, you know, you can kind of take, take in whatever you can take in and then there sometimes are these symbols of movies that uh, are, we call this the fast track, I guess in our community is like this is a fast track movie. Uh, but if the prayer of your heart is show me, show me the way, uh, then I think that makes it extremely helpful and meaningful. I should also mention that we have this thing called Tabula Rasa Mystery School, which is like people come <laughs> from all over the world for like four weeks uh, to just dive in and I know they're are those uh, on here now, Jan and Ellen and, and different ones that have, have given themselves over to this uh, 30 days and even that is a, is a huge uh, dismantling, it's, it's fast, it's very very fast and so when I think of Lucy I'm also thinking of uh, the movie Jason that you worked on and Francis's movie uh, Take Me Home because uh, I just saw that and I felt the, the vibration of how deep of a call that was, but it's more of a, that's a soft version of, of going through the vulnerability and the intensity and being lifted up uh, in about, that's like an hour and <laughs> experience, like an hour and a half, it was quite heavenly I have to say, so, uh, but, but in, in terms of the context we're talking about, about going from the doer which is so heavily reinforced of being a human being and being the doer, the hero of the dream and then going all the way to abstraction like divine light, divine oneness, you know, that's, a, that's an enormous, an absolutely enormous uh, journey. In fact, Jesus in the Course he says uh, that uh, I stand between you and, uh, and God. And he says, without me, in the middle, the distance, the gulf, the distance would be too great. So these are words coming from Jesus, like we're talking about the doer and human beings and he's saying, there's the doer, the human being, and then there's God. And without me, the distance would be too great. And again, we're back to, that's, what, that's why we have, bring in the presence of Jesus, because because that, that is, for, for most I would say, if not almost everyone, it is an unfathomable uh, journey. Lucy's going to take it in uh, 24 hours and even people who go through our mystery school, they, they seem to come out the other end and like, what happened? <laughs> you know, because it's, <laughs> it's, it's such a dismantling and that's in four weeks. <laughs> So we have Suava in three years, a mystery school is a movement in that direction in four weeks and then, and here we have Lucy giving us a, 
a 24-hour glimpse of, um, of, with the Spirit's help, with Jesus, you know, underneath, behind her, making that, that journey without distance, that transformation. So it's, it's just the context for things, you know, like we, I think we can be grateful. You've just prepared us all with your, with your prayers and questions, like, okay, get ready, buckle your seatbelt, and, <laughs> and get ready for a ride. And I'm really grateful to be a part of it. Mm, beautiful. And, and I'll hand you over to Svava. Mm. Jason, do you have wanted to share something or ask something of Svava? Yeah, there's some scenes in here, Svava, like um, where you remember she has to let go of the family. Um, and how she lets go is pretty quick. It's just a thought that kind of moves through her mind of her mother. So she makes a phone call just to say goodbye, and, and she can't really explain where she's going. And it's like all this gratitude for everything her mother's given, and yet her mother really can't understand about what's to happen. But you can just feel the emotion as she, she includes her mother in her journey and lets her go simultaneously. So, yeah, I don't know if that's a lead-in for you, or you have something to share about that, or anything about Lucy that resonates for you because of your journey yeah yeah for me it's such a beautiful movie and such a deep symbol of of listening and following and not compromising in anything no doubt thoughts coming in it's it's just like going forward going towards the light and just nothing nothing gets in the way and um yeah i just uh, i really love how she Maybe it kind of is extreme sometimes, you know, to to the human mind to see this. Like where you're saying she just shoots the ones that are seemingly not in her alignment to waking up. But it's just a simple of, of listening and no compromising and just following 100% and just let no doubt thoughts coming at all. Yeah, there's... One of the scenes that's really beautiful is, well, a lot of times people will say on the journey, you know, you're leaving, like, at least with my family, you know, they, when I was making my moves and I had finances and my father's, that was my father's and my name. And when I was, now you got to take that back. I'm getting my life clean. I'm coming off wills and inheritances and just really stepping into my function. You know, this anger and rage came up and in some ways, you know, like my dad just, died and then the relationships never turned around but in this movie it really shows a poignant part where it's not really about pushing anybody away there's this french guy this french policeman that basically she needs on the journey with him and there's a point where she just moves all these characters they're back okay she moves all these characters out of the way and he's like okay well you don't need me anymore and she says no you're gonna stay and he's like why because you're a reminder. You know, he's so linked up with her in the presence that even she, before she completes the journey, just needs that reminder that this is all about love. But Svav, I think you're back, so you can continue on. We basically just heard you say that you like her no compromise. Yeah, yeah. when you were talking about the family and the mother, it's for me, <clears throat> it's been so so beautiful because uh, I have, I have, I let go in in so much love it was uh, 
it was not running away from anything. It was following, and everything was just so, so beautiful and so provided. And I felt like I was, like, lifted up, like, in love. You just fly like, like a bird, you know. And I have, still have this deep love connection, much, deep, much, much deeper than ever with my, my family. They still live in Denmark, my, my sons. And it's just so, so loving. I, we, it's not often we, we, uh, we talk on Skype, or, but when we do, it's just, it's just in so much love. And they are just in gratitude and just, just like loving what I'm doing. And I've been sending them some of the songs and they're just oh they're so so beautiful and they're not into the course or anything they just just feel the love you know so i feel like yeah that i like i'm i'm just flying yeah yeah <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. yeah and like yeah and like lucy yeah she 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 flies in the end you know yeah. Yeah. Let's go of let go of everything. Any yeah. form. Any form. Yeah. Yeah. I love the reflections too that Roberto Gainsley down there from Brazil, he wrote a beautiful message during the break just saying, Ah yes, it's all about the love. Of course it's all about the love. That's everything. And uh and to me it's it's like being able to let go of your interpretations of whatever seems to be happening in form and really feel that deep, huge love. That's really what it's about. Uh, like you, I particularly like the, the French policeman. I, I don't know, there was something about it when I watched that movie over and over, when the French policeman comes on, I just get the biggest smile. Because, uh, you know, he's the head of the department in Paris, you know, he's used to telling his detectives what to do and everything. And in comes this phone call that there's these drugs coming. And he's, even though he's the head, he's very sincere and honest and he listens. And, and then when he gets involved in this whole thing with Lucy, you know, I just am tickled by the tiny things. That's, that's where I really smile. Like, like when there's a big chase scene going on uh, in the car and he's driving the car, uh, she said, basically, to move over. In other words... The man is driving the car, and she's the woman sitting in the passenger seat. And quite frankly, uh, in all the traffic and with what's happening, they need to get where they're getting to very quickly. So she just says, move over. Not, not could I please drive or <laughs> anything like that. There's no politeness. It's like, move over. Like, she needs to get behind the wheel. Uh, because it's because why? Because it serves the whole. It serves the awakening. It's it's all for the love of God. The, the, what Roberto is saying: there's so much love underneath this passion and this single-pointed desire that even little things, the things of earth, of who drives the car, and all those little nuances uh, get exposed as as specialness in the most direct way. Move over. <laughs> I'm driving. You know, it's. And I love that. I have to smile the way things play out because he just got a look in his eyes like, oh my God, I, I think I'm supposed to be assisting here and this is so important. 
And then the ego part of him is like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die somehow in being helpful, yeah. truly helpful. I could die. And, and yet his heart, he leads with his heart. You know, he, he's there. He's just there. He's there. There's something about that that I just adore to see when people show up and they just are like raising their hands saying, I'm going to go for this. I'm here to support the awakening. I will give everything. I will not doubt. I will not question. I will just join in. That is, that is faith. And I somehow, the French uh, police, <laughs> police detective or head, you know, something how it just tickles my heart to watch, watch him in that context of this awakening. I, I'm very, very touched by that. Why? I know why, because I, uh, I mean, this is maybe my perspective, but like, you know, you're, you can do the big gatherings and everything like that too, but I've just seen you over the years, like your heart is just so loves it when people come in from the invite and are just like, can I join with you so deeply? And you like give everything to them. And it's like Lucy with this guy, like we're in this together. This is a collaborative awakening. You know, this isn't about one person. This is, and it's like when people join you in that, you just, it's like, I don't know, somehow your heart just gets even bigger and it shares it even wider. And I think this scene just symbolizes the, that part too. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. Really oh, cool. It's, mm. it's, it's dear. <laughs> That's why we all, we're always like, we all want to be around you and just kind of, whether it's just a running a center or traveling or anything, because you're like our blue crack. You know, you're... <laughs> the whole ministry is we're, we're trying to get everybody to be you know in this blue crack with their function or with communication and and joining and and i feel like this it's perfect timing to play this movie because if there's any sense of i don't know what my function is or i'm just living day to day or i'm in any kind of a routine then it is time to make this prayer of bring it on and and the fear might be there but that's okay because you're giving over control to this universe, this unseen force, to Jesus, to this love. And yeah, you know, we did that with that uh, community in uh, Mallorca one time. You said to them, okay, who does feel to bring it on? And they're, they're basically everybody put up their hands. And I actually think you left the next day and you're like, well, tell me how this goes <laughs> because everybody put bring it on. But it was so amazing because, I mean, I don't know if I can say this on live TV, but it was like, got, there were guys there who had said things like, I've been 20, I've been 20 years in a 25-year marriage, and I'm, I'm over sex, for example, and I don't need it anymore. And he said, I'm, but I want to bring it on. I want to go even deeper. So we had to do this like A's and B's thing where it's, you don't even really touch. It's non-sexual, just kind of massage or whatever. And three women came up to him and after and just accused him of like um, inappropriate energy or something like that. And he was just devastated. And all three of them had had childhood um, sexual abuse. And it was like the spirit brought them together. Nobody did anything wrong, but it totally brought up all the trauma that needed to be healed, both in him thinking that he was done with sex when he wasn't, because that energy was coming out inappropriately on these women and in them, in their abuse, all of it came up. So everybody's stuff. So it was like counseling nonstop for the next week. So it doesn't have to look like <laughs> a, a very obvious, <laughs> you know, you just sail off into the sunset. It might be a lot of stuff's coming up, but then 
Jesus will give you the mechanisms to move through that too. So in case that happens to anybody after this movie, I thought I would just... <laughs> yeah. I think I also appreciate, you know, I answered the call. When I said yes and just said a full yes, I have just appreciated over these last decades just the miracle of, of all the beloveds all around the world. I've met hundreds, thousands who have just shown up in the most, in the fullest, fullest way possible that it's just been mind-blowing to me. Uh, I remember one time um, I was down in Argentina and I was doing all these retreats and then toward the end, it was that first time down there in 2003 in March, and then toward the end Carrie wanted to spend a little time with me and and so these two women um, wanted to spend more time with us and it seemed like the the rivers of um, of Brazil and Argentina opened up to flood us all in uh, to this house uh, and, and the women were married, they have husbands and all these chores they should be doing and but deep down, they just wanted to, to pray and be there and go deep. And so they're calling their husbands on the cell phones going, the rivers have flooded, we, we, we are flooded in, we absolutely cannot make it home. And they're just smiling from ear to ear, they can't make it home to the husbands. Uh, they're, they're just there to soar and to go deeper into their mind, but the rivers swelled all over the place. And because of that, it kind of delayed our whole trip, so all of our plane tickets back to the United States were delayed and everything got pushed back. So basically I'm landing in uh, Miami, Florida and uh, all my connecting flights and everything I was going to do has all been wiped away by seemingly with this flood and this prayer of these two women, you know, to go deeper. So as I come to Florida, I come to Miami and uh, I called a friend of mine up in St. Petersburg and he's like 72 years old and he hardly drives and everything and I called him up and I said, I don't know, a, a spirit just called me and I, I'm down here in Miami, Florida, you know, St. <laughs> Petersburg, he's 72, and I said, I need to somehow make it back to Cincinnati to the Peace House. And he said, really? He said, okay, well, and he, I said, so, so I really I need to make it uh, probably like Mother Teresa, you know, where she would go in and talk to the airlines because she needed to be in some place. I really need to get north, and I think if I could, I think if I could make it to Atlanta, then I could have somebody else carry me and everything. He's like, okay, and so he ended up hopping in his car, 72 years old, driving all the way down from St. Petersburg to Miami International Airport, picking me up, and driving me all the way up to Atlanta, Georgia, where we ended up sitting together and praying in a hot tub. And, and him rejoicing. He said, wow, that was so amazing to be able to be in a car with you all the way from Miami, Florida, all the way up to Atlanta. And I'm thinking, well, it's pretty amazing to me that you would just hop in your car at 72 years old hmm. and drive all the way down Florida to pick me up and drive me all the way up through Florida and way up to Atlanta, Georgia. But, but again, it was just the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So to me, I've seen so many activated by the Spirit that when I watch Lucy I can just see that she's activated and then there are those that that join in to collaborate um, that are part of her perception of, of awakening, that are the helpers that are sent in 
And I, I just really appreciate that because I know a lot of you who are watching are thinking, I don't know how I'm going to wake up to, to heaven without support. Like I need support. And I say when you make that big yes that we're talking about and you say bring it on, I want awakening and that's, that's my single desire, then the whole universe gets reconfigured and everything starts to come your way just a flooding in of symbols, uh, which I've experienced in like six different continents and over three decades and a huge amount of witnesses that all came from, I give it over to you Jesus. That was, uh, that's what started everything. So it works. Okay. <laughs> let's watch, let's watch Lucy at work and we can just, any scene just inspires us, we can pause it and and talk about it. So, you feel ready, Svava? Yeah, I'm ready. ready. For a ride. <laughs> Thank you. Hit it, guys. I got my caramel popcorn. <laughs> okay, I thought I'd pause it here because, first of all, it's good to pause it. <laughs> but. <laughs> I really like this because I've had several, well, many times where I just feel like the thing that I'm supposed to do, I just hear like, I don't have a choice. I feel I don't have a choice. And there's actually a very comforting, surrendering feeling in that because that's a reflection of you don't have a choice except to accept the atonement, to be who you are, to, to go home to God, to be the Christ. So when these choices come up where it's like, oh my God, what do I do? And everything is pointing you one direction and you you really feel and literally don't have a choice then that those are the perfect surrender moments and a chance to move through the fear so it seems like it's bringing it up but she's on her journey here okay i think this is a good one because what was one of the things we prayed about in the beginning was if i feel complacent in my life i feel comfortable but not happy and just okay as david would say fine 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 then really we're choosing the second one because everything's okay. So there's no real motivation. And yet I was talking with Susanna today and her, she was listening to Svava and watching some of the elders in the community and just feeling like she wants her life to be where she feels this burning need to wake up. Like it's not a choice. Like Jesus, I'll do anything for you. Help me. And if, if you're not making that prayer and you're not completely happy, then you're in like this, in between zone where you could just be coasting along. And so I'm resonating more with the first part that if the habitat isn't comfortable, now what does that mean? It doesn't mean you have to go and be a bag lady on the street, but it means you'll follow Jesus's plan. And if you don't like traveling, you may be guided to travel to shake things up. Or if you're afraid of speaking with people, you may be called to, to speak and say things, or if you, you don't want to stay in one place for a long time, which is maybe me, <laughs> then I've got to stay in one place for a long time. Well, actually, yeah, who knows? We'll see what happens in the next few days. <laughs> but it's like just being willing to kind of shake things up a bit and, and just let the unconscious rise up at a pace that Jesus thinks you can handle and stay relatively stable with him. So, any comments from Mexico or I'll just keep going? I can see your face, but... <laughs> Well, it's it's kind of funny how he put it, the self-management, self 
preservation, but I noticed the two selves were the small self. Small self-management, small self-preservation. Well, that pretty much covers the gamut of why people do meaningless things. Jesus says at one point, you know, the real world is not like your world. There are no, there are no streets. There are no buildings. You know, he's contrasting the forgiven world with the, the distorted world. And then he, he says where there are no stores where people go to buy meaningless things and then go do more meaningless things, meaning work, so that they can buy more meaningless things. You know, it's the way he's describing it in the Course. It's like a parody, like, okay, he's really uh, letting us see his perspective of the, the human race. You know, there's also uh, workbook lessons. I think it's uh, lesson... Um, it's the workbook lesson on, uh, the, he talks about green paper strips, piles of metal disc, lesson 76, where he's kind of poking fun at the money systems. He starts to poke fun at the medical systems too, because uh, I know we've had a lot of viewers like Seema as a medical doctor, we've had medical doctors where he says you really believe that fluid pushed through uh, into the veins um, will ward off disease. You know, now he's he's making a parody of the medicine model. He makes a parody of the economic model. He he really makes a parody almost even of uh, human relationships. He says, uh, you know, minds are joined, bodies do not. You know, <laughs> he's all this thing about having a partner and and joining bodies and sexuality and everything like this, is, he's got a real simple answer. Minds are joined, bodies do not. You know, it's, it's, it's the realm of spirit is way beyond what is perceived as human, uh, human perception, and, and yet he's, he's pointing towards heaven and pointing towards forgiveness and pointing towards atonement, and he's kind of poking fun at... Uh, the ways of earth, which are so serious, but also where these perceived problems come in because they're invested with so much. So I would say that whereas Morgan Freeman character, the scientist is saying they either, if the, if the habitat is unfavorable, they choose immortality. Uh, it's kind of a stretch <laughs> to saying that if it gets too wild, you, you choose immortality. Actually, it's, it's, it's the choice between death or between trying to make something valuable out of something that's meaningless. So those are your, your options in this world. It's all really death. The roadways of the world, all the roadways of the world lead to death. It's a closed system and you can either try to enjoy the falsity, thereby staying asleep and not knowing who you really are, or you can choose to die uh, in at any time frame or pace that you want, <laughs> slow death, fast death, you know. But basically, what are the options here? Until we come to learn to forgive, to do the mind training, to truly come into purpose, to come into a experience of joy, of happiness, of extending God's love, you know, by by laughing and hugging and speaking and teaching only love. Until we come into that, then basically it's a, it's a pretty 
closed tight system and um, and in that closed tight system there's no escape except going inward back to the mind. You know, the mind has been forgotten. It's, there's amnesia. Nobody remembers what the divine mind even is anymore, but now instead of a mind it's all talk about brains, which is part of the body, and it's still all cut up in the, the illusions. So, so it's kind of, uh, I like the percentage thing though. It started off with 1% even, and then uh, it's saying human beings are 10% and dolphins are 20%, and I'm like, well, that's a nice metaphor. It's like, you know, your next step is to be as loving as a dolphin. <laughs> and some of you have swam with the dolphins. I saw a picture oh, yeah, of you I swimming have. with the dolphins. But, you know, those are just symbols, too, of how can I be, how can I be more loving? How can I learn to, to know the love that I am? Then, of course, it goes higher than 20%. So that's kind of exciting to watch how that metaphor is going to go. Okay, we can't miss it. It's obvious, but so that was a listen follow opportunity. And because of the vibe and the certainty and the clarity, all he had to do was line up with it. And, and he does. But doesn't that feel great? <laughs> Anything from Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> well, Adriana was, was asking about uh, controlling your thoughts. The first step comes into seeing how powerful the thoughts are. Before you get deeper into, you have no control of the world, you have to start to see the power of the thought. That's why people enjoy the secret and manifesting and everything. So this is kind of Lucy's manifesting uh, phase. Very nice. Doesn't have to go to the hairdresser, dye the hair. Uh, basically not concerned about animals attacking her or uh, people... Uh, misbehaving. She um, is at the point now where she can she can manifest quite uh, rapidly uh, anything around her that, that serves and uh, so she's just moving from having a surgeon remove the, the pouch the, the blue uh, powder crystals in there to uh, uh, whatever she needs now the, the French policeman answers the phone, I need to speak to somebody in authority, you're in luck. There is no one in this office with more authority. Yeah, she already knows that. Uh, yeah, don't, we don't have time to waste, don't look around, there are no cameras. <laughs> he thinks, like, am I, am I on candid camera show? There are no cameras. Just pick up that red pen to your, beside you and uh, take down the information I'm going to give you. Uh, so, you know, this is where telepathy goes, once you start to see, if you could be telepathic and you, and your mind is that powerful and the world is simply a reflection of your mind and there is no inner and outer, you know, my meaningless thoughts are showing me a meaningless world, you know, it's, you start to realize that once you begin to have an activation or a purpose that everything that you perceive in the world will be tailored towards that purpose. And she just knows the purpose as she feels like she's going to die uh, in less than 24 hours. She's rapidly opening to using 100% of her brain, which is just coming to your full purpose and full alignment, completely undoing the doer. 
and in her terms, uh, she's uh, ready to go. Uh, she wants those pouches collected uh, because she feels in some way she'll need to use the symbol of the blue pouches and powder is just a symbol of what she'll need to achieve the inevitable, which is uh, reunion with Source. And so she's just matter-of-factly going about it. For her, it's, it's, she's not impressed with psychic abilities. She just, at the beginning, was noticing, hearing people's thoughts. You remember when she was in the car and people were all on their cell phones and she's picking up, you know, that's very telepathic. That's also a symbol of no private minds and no private thoughts. And uh, she, at one point she's, she told uh, the scientist, uh, Morgan Freeman character, I don't feel pain and I don't have desire. So, uh, so she's on her path and uh, what human beings uh, struggle with is the pain-pleasure thing is a major uh, struggle. All the distorted miracle impulses, she's not at this point, at 30%. And uh, there's a struggle that tends to, to go on with um, fear. Human beings, animals, in the animal kingdom, there's like a prevailing belief in fear that's, that extends throughout what seems to be organic life on Earth and the fear even of, a, of a, an ant scurrying away when you step near it or whatever, there's a fear factor there. But without that sense of, of fear, you can see how she's rapidly moving into her purpose. If you don't have fear holding you back, and you're not swayed by desires and distortions, seeking after things that really are meaningless, then you zoom mm. more quickly into your purpose, your inevitable purpose, which is to be one with the Source. And so, you know, ever since she had that first dose, when she said, no, I'm not in the mood, uh, she got that big dose to start her off, and then uh, she's not really displaying any fear uh, in there. She's not reacting at all like a human being. She's, she's steadfastly, you said steady, she is steadily, steadfastly zooming into her purpose. And now it's not even common. It doesn't matter whether she's talking to somebody who's on a different continent. You know, use the red pen next to you to, uh, beside you to take down the instructions. Here's what I want to do. Here's the names. Here's what's happening. Here's the airports. And uh, it's drug trafficking. You know, you're a police officer, so do your job. And so you can see there's also a confidence that everyone will play their part. You know, sometimes people read the uh, rules for decision section, but another part that a lot of us like is the setting the goal section. What does Jesus say in the setting the goal section? He says, if you just go through this world not really having a, a goal out front, things just seem to happen and then you look back and decide whether you like the outcome or you don't. That's how the ego is always egoic. But, she, but Jesus says, if you set the goal, if you have that goal of peace out front, then you will perceive everyone in the situation as supporting you in your goal. That's how powerful the mind is. Put your goal in front and you'll perceive everything and everyone in the situation as, as supporting that goal. 
you see how different that is from human perception where it's like, I don't know what they're going to say, I don't know what they're going to do. And there's no sense of certainty and fearlessness and peace and safety because it seems like a topsy-turvy world where there's all these external forces interacting and they come at you from all different angles and no wonder there's a lot of fear and anxiety because it seems like you're at the mercy of a world that is outside of your mind and you're always reacting and defending against this external world. The teachings of the Course, what we're beginning to see and what Lucy is particularly showing us at this point is it's the beginning glimmers of there's nothing outside of you. There is nothing outside of your mind. It's all just thoughts and when those thoughts are egoic, it's very fragmented perception, it's very vulnerable and dangerous when that alignment of thoughts is just thinking with God, instead of trying to think against God, you're thinking with God, mm -hmm. then everything happens in perfect divine order, everything supporting your, your decision, your purpose, and the, the goal has been set. So to me, when I see this point right, at this stage I'm, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing the manifesting, but I'm also seeing the, uh, the goal is set, and she's very riveted in her goal, and, and everything is turning towards her, everything she's perceiving as supporting her. She's not thinking about what could, have hap what could happen. She's not concerned about hypotheticals. She's not concerned about variables. She's not concerned about human mm -hmm. behavior. She doesn't have a thought of who's with me and who's against me. She doesn't really care <laughs> about any of those things mm -hmm. that are so human because what does it say in the Bible? If God is with me, who can be against me? Isn't that a lovely, people knock the Bible a lot, but woo, that's a big one. If God is with me, who can be against me? If it's all one mind, what can possibly threaten who I am and what can possibly threaten a mind that has given itself over to the Holy Spirit? And that's referred to in the workbook where, where Jesus says, that when you align your mind with God, you know, you have nothing else to worry about. The body will be used as long as it's necessary and then will be gently laid aside. It's just another symbol of, of symbols. It's not your home. You don't live in it. You aren't, it's not who you are at all, but it's just another symbol of all these symbols being used by the Holy Spirit to bring the mind to unified perception. So that's, uh, she's just like showing us, she's like a shining example of if God is with me, who can be against me? It doesn't matter whether there are gangs out there trying to smuggle drugs. It doesn't matter, in this case, the, I guess it was the Koreans, that, that there's a group of men that seem to want to sell drugs, this uh, blue drug, to, to kids in Europe. It doesn't matter uh, which forces, you know, like in wars, it's, it's a pretty big deal of who's fighting who, who's got the most uh, guns and weapons, who's got the stronger force, you know, that's the concern of even this world, the balance of power and what about this country and their weaponry and what about this one and that one, that all is out the window because there's a unified purpose and that purpose is out front. So. Lucy's a really good role model here. 
She's a way shower. She's, <laughs> she's not in the doer. She's one with the doing. Yeah. Oh, she's being done through, but and people may say, you know, well, you don't need to be using guns and weapons. Well, that's just, you know, again, suspend your judgments of guns and bullets. <laughs> Let's get back to the mind and look at the expansion of consciousness and, and look at the expansion of all the seeming psychic abilities and all the abilities that aren't unusual at all. They're very natural. She's just coming into all these psychic abilities. Everything that the one uh, entails, she's coming into quite, quite rapidly. And, uh, and yeah, I think that's why I like this movie. She's, it's an unopposed force of oneness opening to itself. Nothing can come in the way. Thank you. Okay, this is like a, to the mystic, this is like a, a revelatory experience of going into the light where everything dissolves. All sense of, of being human, all sense of, of time and space, all sense of perception, is completely dissolved away in revelation and you have this experience of, of the merge. Uh, in this case, you know, she's trying to get her pouch out and you can see just stuffing uh, it down her mouth, but it's more, that's more of a symbol of, um, that's the only thing she can think to do because uh, she seems to be at 40% and all of a sudden she's getting a revelation, she's getting a glimpse of where it's all heading. And uh, though she has had really no fear up until this point since that first activation, you can see the, the wonderment almost in her as she's looking in the mirror and the facial structures disappearing away and the, the commonalities, the familiar is like getting washed away. And that's what uh, these uh, very deep revelatory mystical experiences are are like where you completely lose your basis, your reference point with time and space, and you have this merge with reality, this merge with oneness. And then um, it's, you could say it's, there's a disorientation to it, and you could say also there's a sense of like, of, uh, of, of wonderment, because, you know, there's been nothing ever experienced in time that prepares the mind for revelation. Time is a, is a poor preparer. <laughs> time is part of a cover-up over the revelation. So when the revelation comes, it's, it's a very extremely disorienting. And, and so she's, you can see it on her face. It was an urgency to kind of get to the bathroom. There's an urgency to get her pouch and, and uh, I say that this is what we would call a glimpse. She's getting a glimpse of, of the end, of where this is all, all heading. She's aware that she's in a process where the body's going to disappear or going to seem to die in 20, less than 24 hours, but now she's getting a glimpse of... That's just from the, from the negative perspective, what disappears. But what appears is, is light is pure abstract light and there's uh, to the ego there's nothing more frightening than this light. This light dispels the ego entirely. There is no ego in this light. 
So there are things that the ego seems to have fear for, but not nothing like light. That's the, its most terrifying experience. Love and light is the what? What would the devil be most afraid of? Eternal life, love. What would fear be most terrified of? Uh, the loss of of its perceived self. And so, yeah, that's it's a it's a powerful experience in the movie. You know, it's a it's like a when I saw it, I was like, you know, I was like, wow. I remember the revelatory experiences I had, and it was like a whoosh, like it was bringing it all back. I wasn't on an airplane. Actually, I was eye-gazing with a, with a woman three different times uh, when, when this happened. Uh, so I, did, I wasn't grabbing for any kind of uh, drugs or <laughs> scurrying to do any kind of rituals. I was just yielding into the experience of, of the whole world disappearing completely. And, uh, and it, was, it was enormous in, in awareness and I do have to say that the seeming coming back to perception was uh, was quite a transition. Uh, I felt a little bit like being out one of those spaceships, you know, the rocket ships that come back through the Earth's uh, Earth's atmosphere. <laughs> it was pretty intense uh, coming back to perception and coming back to time and space. But uh, but during the experience, it was just it was love was all there is. There there's love and light, there is nothing else but that love and light. And I have shared this occasionally on some of my travels and sometimes I remember one time I was in Knoxville, Tennessee and I had, there was a small group and I was sharing a bit you can't really describe it but I was giving some words to this revelatory experience and at the end a man came up to me and he went oh my god, you know. <laughs> He had, had, he had also had a revelatory experience, but he'd never heard anybody even attempt to explain it. And he was like, he just kept hugging me and hugging me like, oh my God, there's somebody else on the planet who's had, who's had this experience, you know. He was so happy because it was like a sharing of, oh my gosh, the, whole, the world disappeared and uh, and it was glorious and it wasn't traumatic. It wasn't like, you know, traumatic end-of-the-world experience. It was a glorious experience of light. So that's what we just uh, saw. That was what the symbol of the, the experience. You, she didn't... It, it, everything was fading away. Her fingertips, her nose, her eyes, you know, her face, everything that she knew to be Lucy uh, was uh, dissolved away in that revelatory experience. And so and that's just at 40%. <laughs> she's just at 40% and she's already had a glimpse of, of everything. So here we go. Back on the journey. You don't see many movies like this. <laughs> that's your run of the mill. <laughs> so we can pause it here. I think you can see what, what it means by when you put the purpose out in front, everything and everyone will be supporting and uh, supporting your purpose. You know, in other words, if you look at her face while she's driving that car, she is as calm, she might as well be in a meditation, in a Zen meditation center. She, if you could see her face while she's driving, her forehead is serene, she is very calm, 
and and she's even doing some teachings. You know, you know, better rather be better be late than dead is what the the police officer tells her. Better be late than dead, and she said, "We never really die." You know, she's just teaching the deepest teachings in the middle of a chase scene. Uh, she's just calmly rattling off the, the deepest teachings, we never really die. And she's extremely calm, extremely peaceful because there's no conflict. When you have a unified purpose, you simply are watching the scenes of the world. But she's not seeing cars crashing, she's not seeing glass flying, she's not seeing everything. That's, that's only in fragmented perception. All she's seeing is this unified field that's in total support of her mission. That's her perception. There is no opposing force. Now, when, when you typically watch a movie and you see a chase scene, you know, usually the, there is some resolution to the chase scene. Do, does somebody get caught? Uh, or even more than that, how does the chase scene end? Don't you love these movies where it doesn't matter whether it's Star Wars or it's, it's uh, any of the, the Mission Impossible series or any of the movies that you watch throughout time and space where you have, what do we say, the good guys versus the bad guys. Who's going to win? Although the, the latest uh, one with Thanos, you know, uh, the Marvel series, it looked like... <laughs> It looked like the bad guy <laughs> wiped out all the heroes in that one. But that's not really the formula. Usually Captain America wins, Superman wins, the hero wins, and the bad guys lose. And now we're just about to come to a mind-blowing scene. I mean a mind-blowing scene where what does Jesus teach us in A Course in Miracles about battles? Well, he's got a very interesting thing to say in the Course. He says, truth does not fight against illusions. Nor do illusions fight against the truth. Illusions battle only with themselves. In other words, it's an illusion of a battle. And as long as you're taking sides, as long as you're identified with anything on the screen, you're going to feel fear, pain, guilt, anxiety, competition. All those emotions that seem to be human are all based on a divided, dualistic perception where there seems to be the good forces and the bad forces. The, the saints and the sinners. The, the heroes and the villains. The, the saviors and the, the uh, you could say, uh, like the Hitlers and the Mussolinis, the, the uh, oppressors. The dualistic perception of the world perceives good and bad on the screen. And guess what? The Holy Spirit doesn't see it that way. The Holy Spirit realizes illusions battle only with themselves. Even when Jesus was on the cross, what did he say? Forgive them for they know not what they do. He didn't see that there were some people there, Mary, Magdala, Mary, Mother Mary, and a few that loved him and apostles, and then some people that wanted him dead, and some people that were kind of neutral, he saw make this year different by making it all the same. It was all the same to Jesus because he had no 
fear in his mind. He had no guilt in his mind. He had no separation in his mind. And he could make a statement, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was basically saying, don't put any credence to behaviors. Don't think that there's even good behaviors and bad behaviors because I have overcome the world. I have transcended all of dualistic perception. I have reached a state of perfect unified wholeness and awareness and now I have no fear. Don't be concerned for the body of Jesus. Don't be concerned, you know, be not concerned about anything of this world. You're free. You are free. You are free because God created you that way. So we're going to come upon a scene where it's, you know, in most movies you always have the showdown scene. And here comes the showdown scene. Lucy and all the Koreans are going to come together. And it's like, what's going to happen? Are there going to be attack thoughts that are real? Or is Lucy going to flick those attack thoughts away? Because why? Because they're not in alignment with Source. God didn't create attack thoughts. Adriano was talking about that control thing. I was saying, you can control your mind so well that you don't even allow attack thoughts to enter. You don't even allow conflict to enter. You, you've got the light so strong in your mind, your mind is so aligned with source and so natural that there is, the thought of attack is impossible. So here comes what typically is the great showdown scene where Lucy's there and here come all the Koreans dressed in black and they're going to try to get her and of course it's like where is your state of mind? If you are aligned with your source you cannot be attacked. Kind of like what Morpheus was teaching Neo when Neo said, are you telling me I'm going to be able to dodge bullets? And Morpheus said, no. I'm telling you, you won't have to. You won't have to dodge karate chops. You won't have to dodge bullets. You're not going to have to dodge anything when your mind is unified because a whole mind has no opposite. There is no such thing as attack when you are aligned with God. If God is with us, who can be against us? If God is real, there is no pain. If God is real, there is no attack. If God is real, there is no conflict. Do you see how metaphysically logic and sound that is? If truth is real, illusions are not. And if you can reach a state of mind where you can see that and experience that for yourself, then this is where Lucy is a great way shower here because again, this, what seems to be, this is the big showdown scene and it's no showdown at all. She's too transcendent for attack. She's not even going to mess with that. So here we go. We're going in to see some really good stuff. This is uh, the kind of stuff that we really want to see spiritually because it shows us scenes of transcendence, not of who wins the battle. It transcends the battle entirely. That's what we're going for with, with this mind training. So why don't we pause it here? She's approaching the Big Bang. She's approaching that state where you just saw, it was all gases. There was no solid matter. There were no planets, there were no stars, no spheres. All you could see are these globs of hot gases that 
that emanated from the Big Bang before anything cooled into planets and everything. And she's zooming in her mind, what, to the, to the belief in time, to the Big Bang, to the belief in separation. She's going in and in and in. And then, what is the atonement but going back, like Jesus says, time, he says in the Course, doesn't go forward. It actually goes backwards. Jesus says in the Course. It doesn't go forward towards the Atonement, it goes backwards. That as the errors are corrected, as the errors are released, you go deeper and deeper backwards toward the belief of the Big Bang, toward the belief of separation, and uh, the ego screeches, don't do it, don't, don't go back there, God will strike you dead if you go back underneath the Big Bang. Underneath that, you promised never to go back beneath that belief. And she's zooming, zooming back underneath the Big Bang, underneath time and space, and then to the realization of light, which in human terms will say, you can't heal what isn't real. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. Light, love, is reality and underneath what seems to be the Big Bang is only love. But the ego is saying, don't go and question that belief because you actually separated from God and don't, don't ever try to go back and, and release that belief. So in, in the end, this is where the movie goes, you, you can't heal what isn't real and also the beautiful part is, you can't kill what isn't there. Here we have our, our Korean man coming with his hand all wrapped up in his gun, coming towards Lucy, but you can't kill what isn't there and has never been there. And she just told us before, without time we, 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 we don't exist. Without time there is no plurality, without time there is no multiplicity. Without time there are no human beings. That it's all a generated construct that is the Big Bang coming from the belief in separation. That there could be something like divine mind and matter or divine mind and time and space when actually they don't coexist. Eternity and time don't coexist. One is real and the other isn't. And so that's what our final scene is here as she's calmly reached 99%. Wasn't there a song by Toto? 99? Does anybody know that song? Am I the only one in the universe? 99, ooh, I've been waiting so long. You know, this is it. This is what the human race has been waiting for, is for 99 to click over to 100, to complete embrace of the love and the light. So, here we go. 99 won't last very long, but it's fun to watch. <laughs> Life was given to us a billion years ago. Now you know what to do with it. Salary, I guess, but 
Something about God's whisper. Yeah, if you. That, that's a great song too. If any of you want to look that up, is it called God Whispers? Yes. Yeah. God's whisper. If you want to check the lyrics out on the the closing song, yeah, we we probably don't won't play it here, but I would if you get a chance, go to uh, Google it, God Whispers, and uh, enjoy this beautiful uh, teaching that comes through the final final song. And talk a little bit about there that Spiri, uh, that Spiri app downloaded on that uh, USB. I like even that that uh, that new high tech computer still has a USB port for that uh, download your Spiri app for those in believing in time and space. <laughs> you could use that as your slogan for those that believe in time and space. Dot dot dot. Even though it was a next generation computer, it was they still had to find a way to intersect with you know like Helen gave That's us right. we're, we're still well I mean our app is out, but we're still improving different features on it. So I'm just adjusting to the fact that these ideas just take some time to manifest. <laughs> Seems Yeah. Well, we got 20 minutes. We could maybe open it up to some questions and see. Yeah. Anybody yeah. have anything to share or questions? Well, that's such a powerful movie to me. It's probably the best I've seen it. So. Yeah, John Wetzel's hand is up. I was, yeah. All right. Go ahead. Um, the resistance I felt, um, Jason, when you first. Uh, asked us to like, are we willing to go for it, basically? I'm like, who are you to ask me that? Just what I felt. <laughs> and uh, the anger was there. I'm like, ah, oh, no, I'll take this at my damn pace, and, and, and that's what it is. And, and I'm watching myself be angry. I'm going, wow, there it is. There's that that resistance, that, that last little, I'd like to say 1%, but uh, we'll see. Um, <laughs> that last little bit of resistance coming up going, no, you know, you it's can't wild. pin me down. You know, it's that squirming little worm of ego that's still inside of me, or that I believe is still inside of me, that uh, that was there. And, and then during the movie, um, feeling the... Uh, I felt the old ego trick of, of me getting tired and ego saying, shut down, shut down, shut down. And I said, no, no, not this time. I'm, I got up and I made myself a double cappuccino and nailed that down. Um, <laughs> and, and kept and just kept watching. And um, it's a, uh, it's an amazing thing. The anger's still there a little bit. Uh, the fear's there. Um, but I, you know, I've already said yes. We've all already said yes. 
So we're just getting what we asked for. Um, even though it seems like we, or at least I feel like I don't really want it. Uh, I, I know that's, you know, crap, but um, yeah, it's, it's all I wanted to share. I just wanted to put that out there and just let that wash come over. Thanks, Jim. That's beautiful. I'm actually glad you reminded me of that first question because I forgot, but we could even see, did anybody, did anybody feel like um, with the second question that they got something that they're really afraid to say and they just want to say it out to everybody to just receive support? And I don't know if you made it, John, if you got angry at the first one, you might not have heard an answer to the second one, but if you did, you could share, but you didn't. Okay. If anybody heard something like a next step or something, you could you could put your hand up. <laughs> you know, if you say it, it's going to come true. So yeah. <laughs> Esther had her hand up, and I also want to thank John because he gave us a good example of the use of magic. Uh, I like that. It's the first time I've ever heard that. Like a a double cappuccino magic to silence the ego and make it through the rest of the movie. You know, there, there you go. You show them, John. Show them, <laughs> show them how to use magic. Ego's not going to stuff you out during the movie. You know, you've got out the old double cappuccino and showed his boss there too. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw a hand go up. Esther, put, Esther, did you put your hand up? I, when Jason just asked that, I saw oh, she did, yeah. your hand. Um, I've, I've written some emails to you guys, and um, Alan and I would talk about the emails, and he would say, well, you know, that is a story that you're saying to yourself about how uh, in the past when you would even volunteer, you would, um, I would like hallucinate what was going on about the ideas about what was going on that wasn't going on and not know the difference. Um, like I would be working with paper paperwork and thinking the IRS is coming after them and that's why they're asking me to do it because a lot of times I would have to do things without really knowing what's going on. And uh, then I wouldn't sleep, and then I would end up in the hospital due to mania. And uh, these were stories. And um, so now I have the opportunity, I had an opportunity to start with a new nurse practitioner. And I told her for the first time that I noticed this was going on. And I had never told this to a practitioner before, because she thought hallucinating that I was saying was about seeing things that wasn't there. And then before I knew it, um, the social worker that I work with said that I can't see both her and a psychiatrist. And if I didn't cancel my psychiatrist appointment, then she's going to cancel that appointment. And she did. So without my having any control, things are working this way. And, um, it's at first. So the point is, um, when I worked with her initially, she does an evaluation and I said, well, I've had so many hospitalizations, and I told her how many, and the, the guidance that was coming through was, don't tell her the specifics. Just tell her, well, you know, I 
I um, have had so many that I'd rather not bring it up again. And it's for my benefit to say this because when I tell her what my past was, the way I was experiencing it was I was reliving it. And so what I'm learning now is that um, to, to come from spirit, uh, guidance of, without telling a story that I'm reliving. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's the guidance that I got from hearing this um, going deeper uh, with you and Jason and over the last few days and a half or so. And I wanted to thank you. I just have to have the courage to do it because I still have me character going on in my mind saying, well, this did happen and you have to tell it the way it went. And just to have the faith and trust, uh, if you can have me in your thoughts about that, to just be following spirit's guidance when I speak, uh, would be great. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you, Esther. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's actually not to be skipped over. That's a beautiful lesson. The use of parables, the use of stories, and when it comes through, is it serving and blessing you? I remember being at the Peace House with David watching him, and he taught us the parable is meant to inspire and bless. So if it doesn't bless you and your psychiatrist, then it's not really helpful. And it's part of letting go to go deeper into the mind frame and only say what the spirit would have you say. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah it's a, that's the whole idea that perception is selective. And but But if you leave the selection of perception up to the Holy Spirit, it will always heal and bless. The Spirit will put the words in your mouth. The Spirit will give you everything that is to say or not to say in any seeming situation. It will offer the, the most blessing that can be given. That's how the miracle works. So uh, here we have a, a global ministry where we have like 45 people that are moving in and out of, of countries and across continents. Uh, Kirsten's over in India, Mom, near Mumbai, I think, or somewhere in India. Francis is leaving tomorrow, I think, uh, for Portugal. We're used to crossing uh, borders a lot, and we're used to, used to passport control and uh, all those various things that you cross when you go into countries, customs, and so forth. And it's great practice when you come to a customs officer or to a passport control officer to let Jesus put the words in your mouth and not have the words that come out of your mouth be based on your past learning. Because if they come out of your mouth based on past learning, there's some interesting lessons that come from that. And if they come from Jesus, you're just gliding along, enjoying the show. And uh, there's a big difference in how you feel. So you can't even answer questions that are posed to you from a sense of a personal past. Mm. Uh, and, and I'm so glad you brought that up, Esther, because that's, that's what you're going through. You're going through a discernment of, of what is helpful, really asking to be guided in your words and asking to be shown, what would you have me say? Instead of uh, preparing an answer ahead of time, 
And that actually, that's what washes away the stories. That washes away all stories eventually when uh, you're willing to be that guided and even let the Spirit select that the words that you speak. Not that you have to become obsessed with it. Like when I give talks, if I go to a church or I'm at a big conference, I'm not in the back room going, okay, what should I say first? What should I say second? And what should I say third? I'm just relaxed into I give it all over to you. You give the whole talk. I don't care about anything. I don't care about where I'm at, seem to be, or the audience, or whatever. Here you go. It's your talk. You give the talk. And then, yeah, then the, there's the reflections of joy and happiness mm. that come from giving. And I'm sure that's what you're doing with the songs, too. You just show up. I watch you all close your eyes and, <laughs> and go that prayer of the heart to be truly helpful and to represent God. And then there it comes melodiously. It harmonizes. It's just a glorious thing to behold. But it's, it's really a prayer. It's coming from a prayer. It's not coming from who plays which part. And yeah, it's, it's like it's a guided prayer is what it is. And song is, is universe. It's a unified song. Yeah. We've got about five minutes left. Let's see if we have anybody else that had an experience with that. There's a hand going up. I see a waving hand. Suze. From Australia. Rich and Suze. Hey. <laughs> Jeff? Jeff? We can see you. Oh. We can see you. We're just working out the unmute. Can you hear me now? Yeah. That's great. I couldn't unmute you. Sorry. Okay. Um, so, I don't really want to share, to be honest with you. Um, my heart is absolutely pounding, and I'm so nervous. So, I. Um, <clears throat> but I need to. Um, when you said, um, do I hand this all over to Holy Spirit? Do I give it all over? And I can feel my heart beating so much now. And, and I said yes. <laughs> But I said yes, gently. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Svava, oh my Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I thought I was like, my story was isolated. And I wanted to keep it away in such shame. And... I thought I was different. And, um, and I didn't even want to share that part of myself with any of you. And so when you expressed today, you gave me freedom um, because I could see 
it was my projection. Everything was my projection. It took me out of that victim. I saw myself such a victim of what I viewed in the past. And um, my life has changed so much um, from a year ago. Um, I got down on my knees like you, Sava, and I said to Richard at the beach about a year ago, if my life didn't change, then I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to live this life anymore, nor did I fit in. And I saw Eric and um, Eric Archibald, and um, he was in hospital with Pete James. Pete James, James. yes, and my, uh, they were sharing. And I'd never seen two men share in such a transparent way before. And I thought, well, I want a piece of that. And um, I had a call for love. And all these mighty companions came running. And it's changed so much. And um, in the external, it changed, but it doesn't really matter about the external. It's all been in the level of mind. And so I still sit here and shake, but I'm so glad that I did because I have wanted to talk, but I, but I couldn't, and now I have. So anyway, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. So precious. Thank you for taking the step and, and sharing your heart. Thank you so much. Oh. Oh. And the whole universe went, ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Sweet. Yeah. Well, I think that's a wrap. I think we, <laughs> we've done it again. It's been these full-on amazing, amazing sessions. But... Oh. Uh, the, how it all flies by. Wow, what a what an experience. And and so uh when we return uh for the the last session of Undoing the Doer, we will uh, we will assemble a a panel a giant panel discussion. So the the final vision will sing for you and we'll have a panel so you can ask Anyone, anything that's on your heart. Maybe you, you take a rest and you sleep on it for a while and things are percolating inside from, from these first three sessions and something starts to percolate up into consciousness that you really feel really is important and something you want to express or something you want to ask. So another uh, full two-hour session for that. 
and uh, we'll we'll be assembling. Uh, Jason's up in Camas, and we're down here. We'll have our chairs and our couches ready, mm -hmm. and be ready at your service. Uh, because we're all waking up together, yeah. and it's all shared. It's a shared experience. So, just thank you. Thank you so much. It's so precious to see your faces. They're flashing the screen here, like Lucy did. Yeah. Pete's over there. <laughs> We're like, oh, there's a kitty cat. Oh, now suddenly a kitty cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh.